Welcome to another episode of the Amford Church Sermon Podcast. We're thrilled that you're taking the time to listen to what we have to say about God, the world, and you. These sermons are recorded live during our weekly Sunday morning services. To find out more about us or to plan a visit to join us, check out our website, amfordchurch.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. So do you follow what Grandpa Joe is asking, or really the thoughts that have got him here so far? We started off week one, didn't we, thinking about the world as a big, scary place. Grandpa Joe realising how small he was and how out of control the world is. We looked at the Bible and we found that the solution was trusting in our Father in heaven, who created all things and remains in control of all things. But next, Grandpa Joe noticed that the world wasn't just scary, The world was actually a bad place, filled with hurt and sadness. Why was that? And the answer, again, when we looked at the Bible, was us. The darkness that each of us bring. We looked at those three specific words, didn't we? We looked at Qatar, about how we always miss the mark. Pesha, how we always break trust. And Avon, how our hearts are twisted and crooked and the things that are wrong are the things that we say that are right. And we looked somewhat at God's solution for that. But here's what Grandpa Joe is saying today. It's that if God is loving and he loves us, which we all instinctively know to be true, shouldn't he be doing more to help? Or to put it another way, if the world is so dark and we hate the darkness that is in us and around us, why isn't our loving God, who's in control of everything, doing something about it? It's a good question, isn't it? And yet, the solution that we usually propose is extremely superficial. We basically just say this, don't we? God, why don't you just clean it up? How many of you are experiencing having children in the house over the holidays? Parents, grandparents, other people who could be looking over, looking after kids during the holidays. If you're anything like our house, then you've experienced walking through the door and thinking that a bomb has gone off. It just looks like everything that could have been taken out has been taken out and spread as far and as wide as possible. Um, Have you ever had that experience where you've walked in and there's just shoes everywhere, more shoes than you even knew that you had? Well, our solution would be something like this, wouldn't it? We'd be to wait for the kids to go to bed and then to tidy the shoes away. To kind of superficially clean things up. Only when you think about it, it's not much of a solution, is it? Because tomorrow, exactly the same thing is going to happen. And the day after, and the day after, and the day after. That as often and as many times as you simply clean up the mess that's been made, that mess is going to keep on coming. Really, there are two solutions that will solve this problem. The first one is that you can teach your kids how to tidy up as they go along. Or the second one, which I'm sure we'd all agree is less favourable, is to banish the kids from the house completely. Those are the only ways that there's going to be order and peace to teach them, to train them, or to banish the Tasmanian devils that are wreaking havoc. And yet God's dealing with darkness, his putting right the fallout from human rebellion, sorting out the mess from our chat, our pesha and our avon, is much more than just tidying up an unpleasant looking space, isn't it? It's a much bigger deal. I want us to start off today by thinking about two famous passages where Jesus speaks about 
this cleanup operation, where he helps us to see the severity of the situation and really what is necessary, how he thinks we need to deal with our missing the mark, our breaking trust and our crooked hearts. First part of the discussion is um, Jesus speaking to some of his followers and he's encouraging them, showing them how savagely we need to deal with sin in our lives. And if we don't, how savagely it will deal with us. Let me read to you from Mark chapter 9. This is what he says. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. This is basically what Jesus is saying, isn't it? If you can identify the source, get rid of it, you fools. Isn't it better to go without hands or feet? Or later on, he goes on to say exactly the same thing about eyes than to wander deeper into the darkness hole. Jesus isn't messing about you, is he? He isn't just tidying up around the edges. He isn't superficially making the house look clean after a day of carnage. This is something Jesus says that requires deep, invasive surgery. The darkness in us needs something serious to be done about it. Okay, keep that in your minds, how savagely we need to deal with sin or it will deal with us. And come to this second passage, this time from Matthew chapter 15. And is Jesus having an argument with people about what is it that causes us to fall short? What is it or where do these um, wrong inclinations come from? This is what he says. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. And my point is not to walk over old ground this morning. You can listen again to what we spoke about last week. But here's what Jesus is saying needs to be dealt with in order for the darkness to be removed. The heart. It's from the heart that evil things come, Jesus says. Now, put those two things together. The severity of the problem and the solution. Chop it off. Get rid of it. Deep surgery is required. But then, what are we supposed to chop off according to Jesus? It's our heart. It's our deepest being. It may as well be saying you need to get rid of yourself. This is deep, deep stuff for each of us. So if we come with our superficial solution of God, you've just got to clean it up, haven't you? This is what we're actually advocating for. It's for surgery to take place and for us to face the chop. This is so clear when you think about it in global terms, not just personal terms for ourselves. If the blight on our planet is humanity, if that is the major source of darkness, then what's God to do? Erase us? Cut us out and off? All of a sudden it's a much more serious problem, isn't it? And the solution, we hope, is more refined than God just clean it up. If the solution, or if the problem rather, doesn't sound so bad already, let me just make it that little bit worse. Show you how serious the darkness is. The darkness that is ingrained in us. 1 John says that God is light and in him 
There is no darkness. He won't have anything to do with it. We don't just suffer and experience disappointment in this world, in this dark world. We actually experience separation from God. Cut off from the source of life, our creator, our sustainer. And yet, as we read through our Bibles, it's not the story of a God who wants to separate, separate, separate from people, is it? It's the story of a God who seems intent on drawing near. How is that so? How can God, who is light and in whom there can be no darkness, have anything to do with dark creatures like you and I? Well, let's think about two places specifically in the Old Testament where we see and understand God who is perfect and light and humanity who are twisted and dark coming closest together. The tabernacle and the temple. How is it that God in his goodness can be near the people in their badness? Well, I'm not going to pick it apart so much this morning, but except to say this. Somehow God makes it so that through the shedding of blood, the offering of a sacrifice, somehow that pushes back the darkness, at least for a time for a few people. He institutes a system, doesn't he, around the tabernacle, around the temple, which if followed correctly, means that the people can experience life and God's presence with them. It's really a way of getting back to the garden before any of this darkness entered in before any record of our wrongdoing which led to death and decay and darkness. What we see in both these places is that an animal, a lamb or a goat or a calf or a dove, they would have to die because that's what darkness is. It's death and it's separation from God. And that death has to be made in the people's place so that they can for a time be clean and innocent before God. Their blood would symbolically show that the person offering the sacrifice was somehow cleansed, that their darkness, if only for a moment, was being dealt with. But it was always temporary. In our analogy of the shoes during the holidays and the mess in the house, it's a bit like that situation where the parents come in and they tidy things up. For a time, the kids get to experience and to live in and to enjoy the cleanliness, the order, the peace before they bring chaos again. It's not them doing it, it's somebody else doing it. And it's only for a time. And now this is what I can hear Grandpa Joe saying. Well, if this blood sacrifice offered by killing animals is only temporary, that's not really satisfying for me. If it's only for a few people for a few moments... If God is loving, if God is in control, can't he do something that's more lasting, more permanent, more substantial? And the answer, of course, is yes, that he can, and yes, he has. Jesus himself being the solution. When we were thinking about uh, the darkness and the light last week, we thought about Jesus' own confession in John chapter 8, didn't we? About him being the light of the world and anybody who follows him not having to walk in darkness, but to have the light that leads to life. Well, I want us to listen to another description this week. This time it's John the Baptist, right at the start of John's Gospel. When he sees Jesus, this is what he tells the people who are around him. John chapter 1. Look, or behold, this is the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sins of the world. Have you ever thought that was a slightly odd description of a human being walking around? Here is the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. Do you see what John the Baptist is claiming here about Jesus? He's claiming that here is a sacrifice, not just for an individual or for a family or even for a nation, but for the whole world. This man is the lamb who has come to deal with the darkness in a real and lasting way. The darkness that we've spent so long dissecting is all-encompassing and this sacrifice that Jesus came to offer in our place is all-encompassing too. The rest of the scriptures describe how it's a radical surgery on our hearts. Exactly what Jesus said, what we need dealing with our twistedness. There's the language of our heart, stone hearts being replaced by hearts of flesh, of God's law, i.e. what is right being written on our hearts. So all of a sudden we know how to live. It's a restoration of our relationships, both with God and with each other. It's dealing with our pressure. And Jesus comes as the perfect fulfilment of our shortcomings. He never, ever misses the marks. It deals with our chata as well. So the, the Bible does have an answer for our bad, broken world. And it isn't some temporary tidying up. It's the perfect life, the perfect death, and the perfect, perfect resurrection of Jesus, the Lamb of God. The answer to the problem of darkness in our world is the crimson red blood of Jesus, which can not just push back the darkness, but can fill that darkness with his glorious light. Now, if that's all we said, then we'd know that that's pretty good news, wouldn't we? That the darkness can be overcome by Jesus dying in our place. But what do you think we need in order to qualify for this? What do you think you need to have in order to be a beneficiary of what Jesus has done? Well, the first thing is this. You need to know that you're part of the problem. If you recognise that deep down you aren't right, you aren't right with God and you are part of the problem of the darkness in the world, then you recognise that Jesus has a solution for you. And this is the great news this morning, is that it's a solution with no strings attached. It's not for the first 50 people to respond. It isn't for the first 50 names out of a hat. It isn't for the top 50 least dark people in the room or in the world. It's for everyone. How do you qualify? You simply have to bring your brokenness, your weaknesses, your failures and lay them at Jesus's feet. You simply have to bring your corrupt, hard heart, your fractured relationships and your woefully inadequate attempts to hit the target and to say, Jesus, by your blood, banish the darkness. You come, simply come to Jesus in your darkness and step into his light. Now this morning we're taking communion. Uh, John went through a couple of weeks ago the different directions that the communion points us to look. And this morning, really, I want us to be looking in that direction of looking back to the sacrifice that Jesus made. The communion for us this morning is a meal to celebrate and to lay claim to what Jesus has done. Oh, and boy, do we need it because we've got an enemy who wants to weaken our conviction to tell us that what Jesus 
has done isn't enough. But we eat, we drink this morning in this sure certainty that what Jesus has done is enough and he can deal with the darkness in each of us. Perhaps this morning you're going to be eating it for the very first time. Perhaps you'll be eating it for the first time, realising its full significance for you. This bread and this celebratory wine, it's a sacrificed lamb and it's a shed blood, broken and shed for us to push back the darkness, allowing us to once more enjoy the glorious life-giving light of God. If you see the world and it saddens you, if you live in a world that is, you recognise as being filled with darkness and pain and hurt, if you cry out to God for a solution, listen to the solution that he offers. Grasp with two hands his way of dealing with it, globally and individually for you. Take the bread, take the wine, carry your darkness to Jesus and say, yes, I want your solution. I want your light. I want your blood to push back the darkness so that everything can be made right again. We hope that you found today's message useful and challenging. And we want to take a moment to offer you some next steps that you can take right now. Why not get in touch with us via email at contact at amfordchurch.com if you have any follow-up questions or things that you'd like to discuss. If you want to know more about what's going on at Amford Church, make sure to like us on Facebook. And lastly, check out our YouTube channel for video teaching in addition to our sermon podcasts. Thanks for listening.